0: Can you go with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13? 2 Corinthians chapter 13. That's going to be where we kick off. I've been led of the Lord to share something, um, some specifics relating to the, the Holy Spirit and our relationship with the Holy Spirit and our interaction, our interacting with the Holy Spirit uh, you know, the last Sunday that I shared with you, it's been a few weeks ago now, but I, I shared with you a message on living in the Spirit or life in the Spirit. I don't expect you necessarily to remember all of that, but perhaps you had notes from it. But I talked to you about life in the Spirit. And remember, um, remember back with me, uh, I, I, sh- I shared with you a little statement that I would heard Dr. Mark Barkley make many, many years ago, which I think is such a truism. It, it has impacted my own life. And I recall it quite often. He made the statement, he said, one of the hardest things for a Christian to do is to stay spiritual. One of the hardest things for a believer to do is, is, is to be spiritually minded. Now, I think I added that. He didn't say spiritually minded. But to me, that's, that's what it means. You know, with all the noise that we have going on in our world, all of the competition, all of the distractions and screaming for our attention, I mean, who has, who has the spiritual discipline to, in order to just keep your life focused on spiritual things? It takes a great deal of spiritual discipline. And it takes a person who has, you know, is matured in the Lord. And they, they've been walking with God and they're really uh, seeking after the Lord to, to seemingly come to that place. Praise the Lord. Because it's a challenge. I mean, um, even though we're instructed in the scriptures... That it is the way we should live, that it is the lifestyle that God wants for us. In Galatians chapter 5, there's a, a, a scripture where the Apostle Paul is talking uh, to the church. They're teaching the church about the life in the Spirit. And he says, he says, If you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh, the cravings of your flesh. And how do you know the, the one thing that gets us more in trouble more than anything else is? Our flesh, our, it's our carnal side, our natural side. I'm not trying to be your religious talk to you this morning, but it's that carnal side. That's the thing that gets us in more trouble than anything else. That's the thing that causes us uh, to forfeit victory. Victories that should be ours uh, many, many times. But he said if we, if we would learn to walk in the Spirit, we wouldn't fulfill the lust of our flesh. And then he goes on toward the end of the chapter in verse 25, and he says, if we live in the Spirit... If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul even tries here to to take the church into a little deeper understanding of what he's trying to say here. He says, if you're alive in the Spirit, which if you've received Christ as your Savior and He has come into your heart and the Holy Spirit has done a work of regeneration, you're alive in the Spirit. Now he's saying that's one thing, but there is another thing, to walk in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, let us also... Somebody say also. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Uh, interestingly, um, you know, y'all know I'm a, kind of a word freak. But I like to look things up. And that word has to do... It's, the Greek word has to do with marching. It's a military word. March. Be in, be in order. Get in, get in line. Get in formation. Walk in the Spirit. Take orders from the Spirit. Go as the Spirit of the Lord is leading you to go. So if you're living in the Spirit, you're born again, you're a Christian, you're, you know, alive, then He's encouraging us to walk in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, the, the things I want to share with you this morning are coming, they're really coming up out of my own, my own search I I, I just have just a message for you, actually this is just out of my own search, in trying to pursue a spiritual life. So if if that's, you know, if if that's any interest to you, then this will be interesting to you today. But if you're trying to pursue a spiritual life, if you're trying to pursue a closer relationship with God... Of walking in the spirit, hopefully this this will be um, this will be helpful to you. All right, I had to go to Second Corinthians chapter thirteen. Let's go fast here. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV in verse thirteen. The scripture says, "Finally, brethren, goodbye." Actually, this is what this is is this is Paul's closing. You know, this is his goodbye to the in the letter. So he's 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 given his what is that a goodbye salutation. So here we go. He says, "Finally, brethren, goodbye." Aim for perfection. King James I says I think says completion to be complete which just seems you you know you're without want you're you got it all together aim for that so aim for perfection listen to my appeal be of one mind this is his appeal to the church be of one mind get in agreement live in peace and the God of peace, the God of love and peace will be with you. Verse 13, greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a, that was a cultural acceptable way to do it. Uh, we hug. Um, I get a little uncomfortable when the guys kiss me, but um, th- that's what they did. Anyway, uh, all the saints send their greetings. And then he says, verse 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Living Bible says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May God's love and the Holy Spirit's friendship be yours. Signs his name, Paul. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is a word of the a koinonia, which means the communion, partnership or friendship, a, 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 close, um, a close relationship. And uh, as I've shared with you on other occasions, that that scripture I believe is more than just the closing little statement that Paul tags at the end of this writing that he does to the church. Because I believe it is intended to be a revelation to us about how that the Godhead, the Trinity, relates to us as uh, believers in this world today. Now what does he say? He says there uh, that the, the, well let me go back to that, that first part. He says there that the grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus, how does the Lord relate to us? How does Jesus, the, the Son of God, relate to us, to the human family? He relates to us, the scriptures. He relates to us through this ministry of, of His grace, of His grace. It's by His grace that we're saved, amen, through faith. Praise the Lord. How does, how does God relate to us? The love of God, love and peace. And even, he even made that statement uh, just one uh, portion earlier how does God the Father relate to us? Through love. How does the uh, Holy Spirit relate to us? He relates to us through fellowship. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Understanding that word, that, that partnership. He relates to us in as, as, as friendship. And I'm going to stay on that for just a minute because I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, God intended for the Holy Spirit to be as close to you as Jesus was to the disciples. The Holy Spirit was sent by God to be this companion to you, to be this, uh, to be this uh, fellow worker with you, to be your friend, to be a partner with you. And the primary ways that God the Holy Spirit relates to us is through this friendship. Jesus said in John the 16th chapter, he said, listen. I'll tell you a truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, then I will send you another comforter and he's going to live with you forever. Amen. In John chapter 14, he says, I will pray the Father. And He will give you another helper, another comforter, another companion. And He will abide with you forever. And then He explains who He is. It's the spirit of truth. The world can't receive Him. It doesn't understand Him. But you understand Him. You know Him. He has been with you. Now He's going to be inside you. But I love verse 18. He says, And I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. But I will come to you. Jesus makes a promise to the human family that he will not leave us with, as, with, with no one to care for us, with, with no assistance, no parental oversight, no, no one to be our companion. Praise the Lord. He says, I'm going to send you someone who can fulfill that role. Are y'all with me this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. Poke your neighbor and say, stay awake. Hallelujah. Stay awake. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is telling them, listen, I'm going to send someone that is going to be as close to you as I have been to you 12 men. I would I would hope that somehow you can get that into your spirit this morning. The Holy Spirit is wanting to be as close to you as Jesus was to his 12 guys. And he was with them all the time. And he ministered to them. He took care of them. He answered their questions. Praise the Lord. And he, t- he even took care of their problems. Can I have an Amen that's what god has given us the holy spirit for so that we can be fully equipped to function victoriously in this earth and be spiritual people until of course he lifts us out of here he takes us up to be with him praise the lord if you live in the spirit also walk in the spirit praise the lord now interestingly as i was i was just you know i'm meditating on this thinking of Uh, This um, friendship building, relationship building with the Holy Spirit, because that's I think we should do that. We have to continue to do that. Have you noticed that some people, some groups of people, are closer to each other than perhaps they are to some other group of people, or two people are closer than they are to some. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you find well, you say, well, those people are such; they're good friends. Do you know that generally the reason that that is is because of the of the effort that has been put into that relationship by those two people Are you with me? And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit the more effort that we put into it, I'm not talking about you just doing works. I'm talking about the more effort that you put into it and the more conscious that you come become to, to develop this friendship with the Holy Spirit, the closer you'll become to sense His presence or His absence. Can I have an amen? Praise the Lord. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I was studying on this relationship building. And, and uh, of course, you find so many to-dos in the Bible. Well, do this and do that. And if you'll do this, then I'll do that. But I was surprised in, in studying this about the Holy Spirit. There were, there were, there were many not to do's or don't do this or don't, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, don't do this. Do not do so and so. And so I, I, I began to write them down I, and uh, I've, I've studied them out. I, I'm sure I haven't, can, you know, exhausted the list. But I've kind of trimmed it down for this morning. I left out, uh, there was one that's, you know, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. That's a good one, isn't it? We ought we to already know that. Don't lie to him. Ananias and Sophia tried that. I found don't resist the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can resist the Holy Spirit, work against him? But we already know we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, we shouldn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, that's probably one that would probably take up a whole, because that was very misunderstood. But we, we probably need to go back to that. But I trimmed it down to three things that if I hopefully have time to do. I want to share with you this morning. These are not to, don't do these things. If you want to build relationship with the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? So the first one, go with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter four. And these are just, you know, this is just right out of the script. This is not rocket science. This is just Bible teaching here. Okay. Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 30th verse. And the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of promise or the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve the Holy Spirit. Interesting. It's worthy of our study. Now... You know, the first thing that I think we should catch on to real quickly, when you're talking about grieving someone or not grieving someone, well, the first thing we have to realize is the Holy Spirit has personality. The Holy Spirit is not just a wind, not just an air. He's not just a move. He's not a force. He's, you know, he's not a spooky. He's not a ghost, even though he is called the Holy Ghost. But he is a, he has personality. In order to grieve something, it has to have some kind of personality. It has to have a, a sense of, of will. It has to have a, a sense of, of, of a character. It has to have a sense of morality. It has to have a, a, core va- a sense of core values. If You, you can't grieve a, you know something that has no values. You can't grieve a tree. You can cut it down or you can fertilize it, but you don't grieve it. It's an, you know what I'm saying, but if it has personality, yeah, then you can do that. Now the Bible tells us do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So there is there is a, a, some sense of emotion that the Holy Spirit has. Thank God He's not soulish and uh, emotion like flaky like you know human beings are. He's not a human being. Amen. Uh, but. He does have this sense of personality, and the Scripture tells us, "Do not grieve him." Of course, one—if uh, you go one way with that translation—the the word "grieve" is to make sad, you know, is to repel, is to you know, to cause uh, uh, uneasiness and so forth. But in this sense, as you do, as I did my study, I realized that this grief is meaning to act in ways that make someone e- uneasy. ...or offends their character, values, or their nature. To act in a way that offends the Holy Spirit's character, His nature, His values, His very being. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit who has sealed us. Notice He's sealed us. He's working to preserve us until the day of our redemption. What? So that we can be uh, we can be presented unto the Lord spotless and we can be, you know, unblemished. This is what the Holy Spirit is working to do to present us to the Lord in the day that God comes back for us. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You say, well, Pastor, how how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, <clears throat> look at it in the context of the where it's written. And in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 here, if you were to go back up, go up to verses 17, all the way down through the end of the chapter, then you can catch the context in which he is telling us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning or are you asleep? Here we go. You you say, well, what is it? It starts out, verse 17 talks to us about, you know, um, that we no longer walk as we did, you know, as the old Gentiles, just like we did before we ever came to know the Lord. Don't walk that way. Let there be a difference that's manifest in your life. It's available to us if we'll put it on. So he said, verse 17, I testify to you that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of your mind. Drop down to verse 22. He says that you put off, put off concerning your former conduct. Put off your old self. In other words, that old man which, which grows corrupt. According to the deceitful lust. Until that, you know, those, those, uh, those urges of our flesh. And it, it corrupts, corrupts us. In verse 23 it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. A reformation. Let a reformation take, take place. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. The, the, the core of your being. The core of your values. The core of your, of your very morals and your being. Be renewed in that. And then he goes to verse 24. And put on the new man which is created according to God to true righteousness and holiness. This is all things that he's telling us that we can do. Then he's going to come in here in just a moment and tell us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, verse 29 there. Uh, don't use bad language, bad communications. You know, I think sometimes, well, I don't know if I should go there or not. He says, say things that only bring Help to those that are around you. I don't know why. You know, uh, it's it, maybe I just said on the, for the benefit of our, our teens, but really, it's not just you teens. But you know, it's not it's not cool to talk foul. There's nothing cool about it. There's nothing. So, you know, and I, guess I really should, adults here. There's nothing. There's nothing cool about it. Well, that's just the way the world talks, as we. There's nothing cool about that. There's nothing cool about having to, you know, having gutter language. I have to tell my, my grandkids that. I told my son that when 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 he was growing up, and um, hopefully I believe it stuck. Amen. I tell my grandkids that too. They'll pop out with something. Well, they say it at school. They say it. At, well, you don't have to talk to it uh, just like the world. Why don't, why don't Why don't we have? Why don't we give good language? Why don't we have good holy? Godly communications. Praise the Lord. Moving along here. I was in verse 29. Things that bless people. Things that bless people. Then he says, of course, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, stop being mean. He said, bad tempered and angry, quarreling, harsh words and disliking of others. They should have no place in our lives. Instead, here's what we do. Now this this makes the Holy Spirit happy. Instead, be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. There, there, there. To someone now, now I'm getting personal. To to someone, there's there's someone. I know, I know. There's someone. This is the voice of the Lord to you. It's not a tongue, it's not an interpretation, it's not a prophecy, but the voice of the Lord is to you. Let it go. Let it go. Forgive that person right now in the name of Jesus do it because it's holding you back. It's holding you back. If you'll let it go, your life your life can change. Your life can change. Your life can change. Praise the Lord. Instead be kind to each other tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Basically what Paul is teaching us here, he says that to just neglect to put on the new man, to continue to live in our old life is grievous to the Holy Spirit. You know, I wish I could stand in front of you today and tell you that I have never done that. I wish I could tell you that I don't know what that feels like. That I don't know what it feels like to grieve the Holy Spirit. But I can't tell you that. I can't t- I, I, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I told you. And you know what's the interesting thing? Is that it is such a grievous thing that when, when, you, when I have done it, that not only, not only did it grieve Him, but I knew it too. It grieved my own spirit. It my own spirit. It went against everything of my pursuit of trying to be a spiritual man. Usually when it happens, it's, it's because you let something, you know, some of your old nature begin to come back through. You know what I'm talking about. At least some of you do. Some of you are not perfect yet. You're still here on the earth. <laughs> you let something come back, you know, some old thought, some old way that you were. Some way when you, you popped off, you were mad. You let anger Come out and you know that now, listen, you and I both know that the Holy Spirit does not recall every time we make a mistake. We know that i 've made some horrible mistakes i 've done some you know said some things that I regretted very much, but i didn 't sense the Holy Spirit recall because the Holy Spirit you know that that, that wasn 't my heart but but i guess I guess he 's able to divide between. You and I just being a human and making a mistake and you and I crossing that line and being grievous to his spirit, to his character, to his nature. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You and I know when we do that. And what are we, we, we should, we should fix it. And we shouldn't just, you know, like, say, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. We should realize who we really should be sorry to is Holy Spirit who lives inside us. He's the one that we... He doesn't get offended like people get offended, but we have offended his core values. And what is he trying to do? The scripture says that he is trying to preserve you spotless until the day of the Lord, until Jesus comes and gets you. So when you sense him do that, I'm preaching to somebody, but including me, when we sense him do that, let's, let's fix it. You want to walk spiritual? You want to be a spiritual person? Don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the, you know one of the sad things about it is that, is that it is possible that we can continue to do it over and over and over and over again. To be, we, can, we can become insensitive to his presence or his absence. You won't know when he's there and when he's not there. It's all the same. I know it's true because we see it, examples of it in the scriptures. The example of, of David, King David, committed horrible sins. I mean terrible sin Adultery. Had a man killed. But when he was, he was confronted by the prophet, the prophet confronted him. Oh my. There was such a sense of sorrow in his own heart that he had offended God. You know what his prayer was in Psalms 51? He prayed, oh God, don't take your spirit from me. Don't, don't take your spirit from me. Now, there was another man in the Bible by the name of Samson. And he sinned over and over and over and over and over. And he became so accustomed to the sin, he seared himself. In Judges chapter 16, the Bible says that there was a time to when he didn't even know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. So we don't want to do that, do we? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Amen. It, it seems that one of the keys, and I'm not trying to tell you that this is the only thing, but one of the keys is found here in this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, where that we just were satisfied to continue to live, after we come to Christ, just continue to live in this in this old line. You say, well, Pastor Albert, you're such a dinosaur. Don't you know we live in the age of grace? And we do. Thank God. Grace is one of the most wonderful gifts that the Father God could ever give us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We live, we live in this, this age when, when through, through the Lord's uh, sacrifice, He has forgiven all of our sins. We receive this grace. The Bible tells us we receive this grace By faith. Amen. We receive this salvation, this grace, you know, and we we receive it by faith. But if you go over and you begin to take it deeper, take it farther. James teaches us also about this act of faith. And he said, he says that faith, it does not have this corresponding work of submitting yourself to, to, to the character of God and beginning to produce works that are fit for righteousness. He says, it's, it's just like being dead. And I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for dead. I had that before Jesus. I'm looking for life. I'm looking for life in God. Faith without works is dead. Works don't get you saved. But I'll tell you what, there's an expectation of God to put on the new man. I'm still on point number one. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, let me, let me, let me go on here. A, a couple of others. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 14. And here we find another good one. We want to build this relationship, this friendship with the Holy Spirit. It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Do not neglect the gift. Don't neglect the gifts that the Holy Spirit give us. Don't neglect the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us amen we can literally neglect the Holy Spirit by neglecting the gifts that he gives us because we are neglecting his the work now well what is what does neglect mean it means to just not care for something properly to not give it its due to be careless to be careless with something to disregard it to treat it lightly or for little respect so in first Timothy chapter 4 Paul reminds his son in the faith that He says, look, remember your spiritual gift. Remember your spiritual gift. Take care of it. The word gift is is charisma. It literally means a divine endowment. Something something given by God, placed within a man by God. It's a particular grace that is given from God to him by the Holy Spirit. And, And Paul He's so so serious about this thing, that's not the only time that he reminds Timothy about it. In fact, on three occasions, there's only two little books to him. And then three times in those little books, Paul reminds Timothy. He says the first one there is don't neglect that gift. Then in second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Stir it up. And then in verse 14 he says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit which, or who, dwell, who dwells in you. That good thing which was committed to you, keep it. The Laban Bible says, guard well that splendid God-given ability that you received as a gift from the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Why did Paul keep telling Timothy to not neglect his spiritual gift? Why did he? Do- you know what? I don't know. Maybe you know. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us why. It, it, maybe was it a general exhortation? Was it just he told that to all of his sons in the faith? Or was there, there something very specific that he was getting, getting at? Did he see something in Timothy's life? Was he being careless perhaps? Or perhaps he was not esteeming you know, what God had given him to use it. He wasn't counting it as valuable, as precious, as necessary for the body of Christ. We, we don't know. We don't know. But we then have to ask ourselves, what about us? How about you? How about you this morning? Have you ever let your gifting just sit? Have you ever let your gifting go unused? Have you ever let your 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 gifting not be developed? You know the gifts of God and every one of us has been given something to serve the kingdom. They've been, we've been given spiritual impartations to serve the kingdom. But the gifts of God have to be developed. You, 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 don't, you, don't, just, you don't just, oh, well, that's me, but, and we just say, I got the gift of whatever. Well, that's me. I got it. No, you, you develop it. And the more you use your gift, the better it's developed. The less you use your gift, the less it's developed. The more immature you are in it. The more baby you are in it. Amen. Have I put you to sleep yet? Listen, I'm just trying to teach you this morning. To gift, don't neglect the gifts of God. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, I, I know that, you know, God wants me to do it, but I just can't do that. I don't have time. That's neglecting the gift. I don't have time. Well, we always should have time for God. We make time. Well, I can't do that, Pastor, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'll fail. I'm afraid I, I, I just won't won't work out. Well, then we're neglecting our gift. We've all been given some. And so if we, if we neglect to acknowledge the gift that God has given us, if we, if we neglect to, to use the gift, to develop the gift, then we in the church and the whole world, all of those that are around you, are going to lack in seeing the fullness of the glory, the manifestation of the presence of Almighty God... Because we sit back on this thing that the Holy Spirit has put inside us, can I have an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Let me, let's, let me finish this thing. Okay, I'm on number three now, and this uh, actually this was the first thing that the Lord talked to me about. I saved it for last, and it's in First Thessalonians chapter five and verse nineteen. First Thessalonians five and verse nineteen. It's just five words. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. You know, in the Greek language, as it's written out, the most important part of the sentence is placed at the front. So if you take your interlineal Bible, which is written in the order that it is in the Greek, and you read that in the interlineal Bible, it says, the spirit, not quench. It kind of sounds like Yoda, doesn't it? The spirit, never mind, never mind, okay. The spirit, not quench, amen. That's the most important, but what is it is to, to quench? To quench is like to extinguish, uh, to put it out, to, to suppress, to stifle, smother. You know, earlier we talked about grieving the Holy Spirit, and that's, that's bad because we cause him to recall or to, to draw back. But this one can be even worse for us than the grieving. To quench is to put out. The picture that's painted here by the Word is one likened to putting out a fire or to putting out a lamp. And the Holy Spirit we couldn't know is not a fire. But in reference to the Holy Spirit or reference to God, we know that fire is used in Scripture to paint a picture uh, many times fire becomes representative of the Holy Spirit. You remember the, the lamps, the, the lamp, the fire of the, of the five foolish and the five uh, wise virgins that, that, that referring to the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. The, the, on the day of Pentecost, w- when the Holy Spirit came in full manifestation, what was it? He, he came in, in the likeness of tongues as of fire. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. Moses saw God as a fire in the bush. Amen. When we're baptized, the, the scripture says that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And with fire. So it's very, very, uh, very natural for Paul to use the imagery here of fire when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. It's like, don't put the fire out. Don't put the fire out. Don't put the fire out. You know, I, 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 I want to say it right. I, I don't. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes we, have to, we have to really watch ourselves that we don't become a part of an age, a Christian age, a spiritual age, that is bent on quenching the Holy Spirit. You know, watch yourselves. Watch yourself that we don't become a part of that. We can become so easily a participant in quenching the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we do that. We don't give Him very much room. Maybe personally, the church world, I'm not trying to condemn anything, but sometimes we don't, we, we don't give the Holy The Holy Spirit doesn't always fit into our little box. He doesn't fit into our routine, our little agenda. He, he doesn't do that. He says, well, God's able to plan. Life. Yes, he is. But sometimes he does impromptu. You know, uh, give him time. Give him opportunity. Uh, give him a chance. Give him a chance to say something. From the, something that God wants to say. It's a today word, a now word. It's, it's, a, it's a right now, this moment. Give him opportunity in your life. And if, we, if you don't acknowledge Him, sometimes we can quench Him. Put, put the fire out, the burning out of the Holy Spirit before He ever gets a chance. It's interesting to me, interesting to me, that in this passage of Scripture here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, that immediately after He says, don't quench the Spirit, you know what He says? Don't despise prophesying's. You know what prophesying is? Prophesying is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's a moving of the Holy Spirit. It's where God speaks to the people. And He tells them something that He wants them to hear. Don't despise prophesying. Now, you know, when you think of of quenching, I, I thought of there's kind of three ways. I thought, well, how do you quench the Holy Spirit? And I thought, well, you know... In the natural, you quench it. The first way, you know, we would say, well, if you have a campfire, you want to put it, you pour water on it. Well, what are you doing? You're super cooling it, really. You're cooling it down. You're taking its heat away. And when you super cool fire, it can no longer burn. It's impossible. And so, so you, you pour the fire on, I mean, you pour the water on, you, you, you cool it so until it can no longer. Can no longer burn. Say, so how how do we do that? And, and I believe an easy way for us to see that is is you know, as a Christian, as a believer, we can our criticism, our skepticism, our unbelief, our always questioning, are always you know that that can be just like pouring fire. I mean, pouring water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know, but uh, we always got a misgiving about it, always negative. You know, uh, you know. Well, you know, we don't want this thing to get out of hand. Well, you know, you don't want wildfire, wildfire. You know. But in the process, if you don't watch yourself, you have no fire. You have no fire. So don't be that way. Just not be that way. Let God's fire burn inside you. Praise the Lord. I thought of another way, you know, you can put out a fire by smothering. You throw something on it, a blanket, you know, it it starves it of oxygen or whatever. So it just puts it out. And I think sometimes we do that. We smother it with the dirt of the world and the sin and our carnality, our pressures, our loving the world more than we love God, the loving of pleasure more than we love God. And everything just gets so soulish. And uh, it just, there's no fire. Another way, the last way that you you put out a fire, you starve it of fuel. If you starve a fire of fuel, it may burn for a while, but it'll eventually go out. It will eventually go out. You starve it of fuel. Let's be sure that we don't starve the fire of the Holy Spirit. Of some spiritual fuel what is the spiritual food that we, that we have to take in to keep that fire burning our prayer life the taking in of the word feeds our spirit draws us closer to God our spiritual service our spiritual disciplines the disciplines that we put upon ourselves putting on a new man to walk in. those things feed our spirituals and what do they do they they keep the fire burning They keep the fire burning in our lives. Now we can either quench the spirit or we can begin to shake ourselves. We can reevaluate our priorities. We can welcome the Holy Spirit and the companionship and the friendship of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we'll have a result. We're going to begin to burn bright. And we're going to begin to manifest the glory of God. In so doing, we will begin to find Find life. And I'll tell you what. You know this. Many of you, I'm just preaching to the choir in many cases. But, you know, when you do that and you begin to fan that fire, you come into the companionship of the Holy Spirit. And that is a power in your life like nothing you could ever have imagined from anything else. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Let's close this. So I'm going to. I'm still in First Thessalonians chapter five, and I, I just felt like maybe the easiest way, the not the easiest, but the most the the the, the best way, uh, is just taking the word, letting the word teach us, letting the word change us, and as we're here, the, Paul gives us in his closing statements, the simplicity of living the Christian life. This is what it's all about. You can't miss this one. It's so simple. It's so simple. So with me, in first, first Thessalonians, chapter 5, just go up to verse 16. And let's just walk it down. Here's what he says. Here's what you do. Start out. Rejoice. Rejoice forevermore. Rejoice evermore. This is, this is the simplicity of the Christian life. Hallelujah. Look at yourself. You know, sometimes... What happened to your rejoicing? Oh, oh, life. Oh, pressures. Oh, money, work, family. Don't let it take away your rejoicing. Amen. Hallelujah. For it's in your joy that you'll have your victory, it's in your joy you'll have your strength. Simply put, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Get in that get in that mode of prayer where you just talk to God. Oh sure, it's talking about your, you know, your hour of intercession. It's uh, your prayer service you go to. Sure, all of those things. But you know, just get in that get in that mode, get in that atmosphere, just get in that, you know, that lifestyle of you just talk to God. Pray without ceasing. Then what he said, in everything give thanks. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. God hadn't left you. Look at your neighbor and say, God hadn't left you? You're not abandoned. He promised you you're not going to be like an orphan with no one to take care of you. Amen. So, what? Be thankful. Be thankful for what? He's taking you through it. You're on your way. If nothing else, you're on your way to glory. You can't lose. Glory to God. What can, how can you lose? I'm not being morbid here, you know. Amen. What? Be be thankful. In everything give thanks. Number, Number 19, he says, quench not the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit move in your life. Fan the fire. Throw gas on the fire. Praise him more than ever before. Seek the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ask him to let the gifts of the Spirit work in your life. You need them. Every believer needs the gifts of the Spirit. What does he say? Don't despise prophesying. The words that the Lord says to you, you know. Oh, I know, I know how it is. You know, you can become so familiar are so common, you know, we just... Oh, another prophecy. Oh, another word. No, don't despise that. Because it may be it may be that God didn't say anything to you very much through a, a word that the Holy Spirit gave. But it might be life to somebody sitting close to you, sitting right next to you, just next to you. It was the thing they had to have. It's going to change their whole week. It'll change their day, their week. Maybe even change their whole life. Amen. Then he says... Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Prove. What do you mean? Test them. Test them. Test things. How do you test things? You test them by the word and the Holy Spirit. That's why you test it. Test all things. And then what do you do? You hold, hold on to the good stuff and let the other go. As the old farmer said, you eat the watermelon, spit out the seeds. Amen. So we test it by the word and by the Spirit. Hold on to that which is good. And then he says, listen, here's, here's the results. Here's the results. He says, no, I know I missed one. He says, abstain from even the appearance of evil. Put on this new man, live like, you know, live, live this new character. Live this core being of God. Abstain from that. And then he says, here's the results. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. The God of peace sanctify, sanctify to set apart holy, to set apart as something holy. The God of peace will set you apart in your whole being as something holy for him. And he says, and I pray for you, I pray that your whole spirit and your soul and your body will be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you live in the spirit, We remember the words of Paul. Also walk in him.